0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively... Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three, you bitch. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you face love, face face hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: If you missed last segment right here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima, we tried to talk about what could go well or could go wrong with Mitch's first date tonight. Be sure and go back to listen to that and fix my life on using the rewind function on the Odyssey app. And I got a message on social media from one of my friends. And of course, our social media reactions are brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store, who sent me a message and said, if my wife wanted to divorce me and told me via text, it wouldn't bother me. (laughs) I think that's pretty extreme for that. I think that's a really extreme way.
3: Wow. Oh, that's a that's a happy home your friend is in. <laughs> now the sixth
2: month thing, as Daryl's friend is dealing with, I think is over the line, but it's not too far over the line. Marriage is like <laughs> I I think that one is an in person conversation. Anything? And I
1: think like- you have to settle in a court of law. You should probably. Well, I I just think first, first bringing up it up, for yeah. first a- bringing it up.
3: Actually, what if that particular conversation is just the you just get served, like there is there is no conversation <laughs> is that worse than a text. Oh, you just a, you just get that's served at least with the in person.
2: Yeah, it is in person, just not by <laughs> the person, not by the person.
3: Hey, honey, I um I had a visitor at work today, and I got the, these papers, and that's um, when
2: you get ghosted,
3: <laughs> and then you get. <laughs> the, the house is empty. She's already moved out and taken her. Actually, no. She changed the locks on the doors, and you're the one that has to find oh, a
2: place to Oh, what a nightmare that would be. <laughs> so good luck tonight, Mitch. We but, wish you well. Godspeed. Yeah, hope it doesn't end up like that. So this weekend is what I, I believe to be one of the best sports weekends around because you've got typically the eight best teams in football left normally it it can be like the six best and then two Cinderella stories based yeah. on how it tends to shake out. You've got two games every day. Everyone has to be in. I get it. It's the wound is still a little bit raw because Houston's the team that just beat the Browns, but everyone in this town has to be rooting for Houston, right? Like there's no way anyone here wants to see them lose to Baltimore in the divisional round. Daryl. I can't imagine it.
1: Um,
3: Actually I can. I can imagine people in this town
2: that are Browns fans that would be.
3: Yeah. I don't want to see Houston advance. I don't get that. I think well, I, I, I don't I, either. I don't agree with it either, but I could, I could see some, some people saying, yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, looking for the Ravens to win this weekend.
2: I think Houston's really likable. I, I kind of feel
3: like the, the Ravens are like right there with Michigan under no circumstances. Do you root for them ever?
2: I can't find a circumstance would I ever root for the Ravens? I can't.
3: Yeah, me neither. Them and I, 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 if I were a Browns fan, I would root for the Steelers before I root for
2: the it. Depends on the circumstances. Like, if the Ravens winning would keep Pittsburgh out of the playoffs, I'd probably root for Baltimore there.
3: Like, every Steelers Ravens game, you're rooting for the Steelers
2: for the most part. Unless no, there is no for the most no, part, no, if it affects the Browns in a positive way, I would root the other way. Oh, okay, I would, I absolutely would. If, if it meant the Browns win the AFC North, if Pittsburgh loses to Baltimore week 18. You can't tell me that Browns fans should be rooting for Pittsburgh to win. So the Browns don't win the FC North, but it means Baltimore loses a game. I can't, can't listen to that. argument.
3: That really rains on my under no circumstances. should you There are circumstances. I'm Mid- sorry. There are, parade.
2: there are circumstances
3: just like there. I, all right. I'll allow it. I'll allow that one circumstance, but that's all you get. That's fine.
2: That's all I need all is that circumstance. I'm sure I could come up with another one if I needed to, but I don't need to. I proved my point. So in the other game, do you have – are you tired of the Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City thing?
3: No, I, lo- I love dynasties. I love greatness. Interesting. I, um, Even
2: though I wouldn't consider this team to be greatness. I would consider Mahomes to be, oh, but I, this Kansas City team, I don't think is all that good.
3: No. Um. I grew up during the Jordan era. Mm-hmm and i hated michael jordan growing up sure for obvious reasons
1: right most
3: Clevelanders um, did but it was incredible to watch him win 6 nba titles win 3 take time away for whatever reasons he took the time away and then to come back and win 3 more and and be at the level right um so i i don't mind even like the patriots i uh, i don't mind dynasties They don't bother me. The only dynasty that I – well, there's two dynasties I despise. Uh, one's the Yankees. The other is Golden State. Golden State because the Cavaliers are We're at the other end of it. involved. And the Yankees, well, I, do I really need to explain that one?
2: I think you could actually make the case for the Bulls with the Cavs, though, too. Yeah.
3: You um, could make
2: that same – not for all six titles of it, but for part of it.
3: But I am, I am not tired of watching – Patrick Mahomes, right? Because he's, he is now in my view, he's the new Tom Brady. I realize they're different players. Right. Stylistically, but he's the new Tom Brady. He is. He's, he's the new top dog in the NFL. As far as the superstar quarterback. I'm not here to call him
2: the greatest quarterback ever, because I think that is more of an accomplishment based title. And that's Tom Brady but I've never seen a quarterback that's better than Patrick Mahomes, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I think he's the most talented guy I've ever seen play that position. So I'm like, that's where my rooting interest is, because I, I think that that is, it's watching greatness. And also if Baltimore wins this weekend, I think I would take Patrick Mahomes to beat anybody.
3: And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm actually rooting for good weather in Buffalo. Yeah. So that we can see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes duke it out. Like that that's what I'm rooting for. Just just like I'm excited to watch CJ Stroud against Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I love elite quarterback matchups.
2: They're just they're so fun to watch. Yeah, you've got the AFC and the then the NFC is just an entirely different story.
3: And then the NFC is a dumpster fire. Um but you gotta give Baker Mayfield his 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 props and his love. Um but should Browns I fans am, be rooting for him? Sure, but I'm not. I'm I'm going to be rooting for Detroit. They've waited so long up yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think I kind of a
2: kindred spirits thing.
3: I always root for droughts to end. Um, and so
2: you root for droughts to end and for dynasties to
1: continue.
3: Correct. <laughs> I I am um I'm a. Disturbed. What do you think about
1: teams that make it every once in every two or three years?
3: Um,
1: just competency.
3: Yeah, competency.
1: Do you root for competence? How about Teams that are consistently. As, as someone you know, who's
3: covered the Browns for twenty five years, yes. I, I I not only root for competency, I beg for so competency. So you just root for everything,
1: Darrell? Yeah.
3: Um No, I don't root for everything. No. A lot of people tell you I'm a hater of a I lot of I don't know things. how
1: like Baltimore
2: under every circumstance.
3: Right. I
1: I don't know how as a Browns fan you can the Detroit Tampa game it has to be a that that's a conflict it's a very much a conflict because the problem with Detroit Detroit should be an easy win except for you're one of the four teams with sure. Detroit that are setting in that same no Super Bowls boat my boat.
3: ideal and Super so them Bowl.
1: being able to move past you would really
3: my ideal Super Bowl this year would be Detroit and Buffalo I because Buffalo hadn't won one. Yeah. They haven't been there since the Jim Kelly years. Detroit has never been there. I would love a Super Bowl like that. See, um but I'm- I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I <laughs> I think I think it's going to be Baltimore in the AFC. Um but at the same time, I'm not going to be upset if Patrick Mahomes is back in the Super Bowl again.
2: No, I don't think anyone would be upset. And, oh, and to your point, I get the they're in the very small club of teams that have not been to a Super Bowl. As long as you're not the last team in that club, I think it's OK to root for the other ones. Like, I have no issue rooting for Detroit to leave that club this year. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be an you, awesome story. You live in one other club with Detroit as well. You do. And you'll always live in that club. And you're rooting for more teams to join that club. And that is the winless club. I would like another team to go 0 and 7 I would like a team to go 0 and 17 right. start their own club that can shine. be worse than our club right. Right. Yeah, because that's what that would be. But if it's only Cleveland and Detroit left, like say Jacksonville somehow would go on to make a Super Bowl and Houston would go on to w- make one too before Cleveland or Detroit, that's when you stop rooting for them. But right now, as long as you're not the last one, I think it's okay. Yeah, If you have company in the club it's okay to root for one other member to to up it. You leave. have to
3: admit that scene at Ford Field the other night it was, was awesome, beyond incredible. It was beyond awesome. incredible, and the added layer of the goff Stafford switch up.
2: Yes, that made it so much better. But imagine what that scene's going to be like if they win this week. That was just a wild card victory. I know. Imagine if they win this week and. And I like, by the way, I like the
3: Lions a lot this weekend.
2: I do too. If somehow Green Bay won in the other game as well, and they got to host the Packers in an NFC championship game, what would Detroit look like then? Yeah. What would that, that'd be an incredible sports scene.
3: It just, it feels like that it's the Ravens and 49ers and then everyone
2: else. Yeah. Well, it kind of feels like it's the Ravens and everyone else. When you consider what they did to the 49ers in Santa Clara (laughs) last month.
3: This is true. Um, but as much as I
2: don't want it to be the Ravens, it feels like it is.
3: Let me ask you, which game has the greatest chance of an upset? Like if you if you if we go chalk, right, we say Baltimore's gonna beat Houston, 49ers gonna beat the Packers, Lions over the Bucs, and Chiefs over Bills. Of those of those teams, uh Chiefs, Buccaneers, Packers, or Texans, which one of those four teams do you think's got the shot? At the upset. So
2: I want to rule out the Buffalo KC game because that point spreads like two and those teams have played in so many battles and it's the first time it's in Buffalo. But like if KC won that game, I wouldn't consider that to be an upset. If Buffalo won that game, like they're the favorites, they're supposed to do that. But I wouldn't consider that to be an upset. I think we have to wipe that one off the board in this conversation. I was gonna say,
3: because I, I, I think the Chiefs are going into Buffalo and winning. I do, too.
2: But I just I don't want to. That has to be wiped away because that would not have nearly the same significance to me as if Houston beat Baltimore or Green Bay beat San Francisco, or if Tampa beat Detroit. Part of me wants to say Green Bay because of how good they looked last week. Yeah. And because the Niners haven't played since week 17. Yep. Cause not only did they have the bye, but they for all intents and purposes took week 18 off as well. You could say the same thing about Baltimore, but I just think Baltimore is a little bit better than yeah, San Bal- Francisco is. Bal-
3: Baltimore's a different beast this year.
1: That's what it feels is, like.
3: As painful as it is to say. I want it to be Houston. Like, I
2: want the answer to this question to be Houston.
1: I don't think it's going to be but I Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on
0: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562- 314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
2: Feel like it's Green Bay.
3: I think C.J. Stroud's gonna find out
2: what a, what the real <laughs> number one defense looks like? Yeah. Unfortunately? Yeah. Yeah. I I do as well. So we've spent a lot of time this morning, and if you've missed it, you can go back on the Odyssey app, use the rewind function, talking about What the Browns offensive coordinator, who it could be, what that job could look like. What do we want that process to look like? And does it all make sense? That's next right here on The Fan. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham. Filling in for Kenny Anthony right here on 92.3 The
3: Fan.
1: You have like proof of concept there and you have really good players. And assuming Amari Cooper's
2: back and extended and you have, you know, Nick Chubb coming back off the injury, we'll see
1: where he is he's at from a health perspective when we get to the fall. The tackles coming back, the quarterback coming back. I just I think the upside in Cleveland is that you can compete to be a Super Bowl team next year if Deshaun Watson gets back on track and if you have that on your resume that you're the guy who turned things around for Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, well there's gonna be interest in other places too.
2: That is Albert Breer on Afternoon Drive yesterday right here on 92.3 The Fan. If you missed that interview in its entirety, you can go back on the Odyssey app and use the Rewind function to catch it. I'm Danny Cunningham. He's Daryl Ryder. We're filling in for Ken and Anthony this morning right here on 92.3 The Fan. The Browns, Daryl, as we know, has been much discussed since Wednesday, have had an offensive coordinator opening. And that means that they're in the market for somebody that maybe is going to come in and call plays they maybe are going to come in and assume a very similar role to what Alex Van Pelt had, the offensive coordinator who has been let go of his, from his job. What does this process to you as someone who is in Berea daily covers the team on an everyday basis to you, what does this process, what should it look like?
3: Well, look, they're, they're going to enter interview. Uh, I think a, a wide spectrum, at, you know, it starts, Started with uh, Andy Dickerson, who, for the most part, has been an assistant position coach, more more so an actual position coach uh, throughout his coaching career. In fact, Dickerson was here all the way back when Eric Mangini was coaching this team. Uh, he was the defensive quality control coach and then uh, moved to the, the offensive side of the football uh, the following year. Most of his time has been spent on the offensive line. And I got to be honest with you maybe, yes, he interviewed for the offensive coordinator position, but maybe that's not the job if they want to bring him on the staff that it gets offered. So you and, think
2: that this was essentially an excuse to talk to somebody that they might not be totally interested in for that position in specific but could see him no, on the staff under the right circumstances? No,
3: no, no. I, I'm not saying that that specific circumstance okay. is. I'm just saying that that could be a, a possibility. Gotcha. Right? I mean, NFL teams do this all the time where they're looking for a head coach. They interview uh, a wide range of candidates. Uh, Some of them interview certain candidates so they can comply with the Rooney rule, which I think is just beyond disgraceful. Sure. And I don't really appreciate the way the NFL insiders uh, mention it on social media where they just say they interview so-and-so, and now the team has complied with the Rooney rule, as if, like, it's a box to be checked. right. I just I feel like that's just beyond disrespectful because first of all, the person that's being interviewed is qualified for the job and and to me, when you say that, you're trying to say that they're really not qualified for the job or they have no chance to get the job and it's just a a box to be checked. But uh, setting that part aside, um, teams will interview candidates for the next step up job and then once they, fill that role they say, hey we did talk to so and so and so and so maybe let's let's get him back on the phone or let's Zoom circle back or bring and-, out and see if they'll come in for the spot below it that happens all over the NFL so I'm not saying that that's what's happening here with Dickerson sure. but it that situation the fact that he hasn't been a position coach very long he's spent the bulk of his NFL career as an assistant position coach to me that's a pretty big leap to be, so, to be an offensive coordinator.
2: So basically, if they hire somebody else as the like, offensive coordinator, don't be surprised if he's someone that could be on that person's right. offensive like, staff.
3: There's no chance, in my mind, Dickerson's coming here and calling plays.
2: Oh, no. I See, I do think in – I'm like curious none. where the line is yeah. in terms of candidates that this candidate would only be in Cleveland as the offensive coordinator if the play calling duties are with it. Right. Because they're – I think you're – Kind of searching in two different buckets, if that's the case. Like Bill O'Brien, who was just hired at Ohio State yesterday, he's not going to Ohio State, I don't think, unless he's getting the call plays. That is the, the thing we learned yesterday is whether or not it was announced, Ryan Day is not going to be the play caller there because right. they've got Bill O'Brien now.
3: And if, Ryan Day can go back to managing the game because, let's be honest about, one of, the, one of the things Ryan Day hadn't been good at, managing the game.
2: Yeah, and if Bill O'Brien would have been coming to Cleveland, I have to – Assume he would have been given play calling duties.
3: I think that the person that they hire, before even Kevin Stefanski can be asked the question, I think the person they hire is going to tell us who's going to be calling the plays. If it's, I agree. Yes. If it's a if it's a position coach that's getting a promotion to offensive coordinator, odds are Kevin Stefanski is going to call the plays. But if it's an established offensive coordinator or former head coach or something then that's a, okay, maybe Kevin Stefanski is going to give up calling plays and just manage the game, manage the team, and things like that, which, by the way, he's more than entitled to do. I personally, I like Kevin Stefanski calling the plays. I think I he does a good job. I don't have any problem with it, unlike some people in town do. I don't I don't see it as a negative. I think he's done a good job, and his record speaks for itself. And considering uh, what he's had to deal with since taking this job, is the head coach slash offensive play caller. Um, I think it's pretty incredible what he's done in four years. Uh, have they gotten to where they want to go? No. But the thing that I give Stefanski a lot of credit and respect for is he's not stuck in his ways, coach. Yeah. He he is willing to take a step back, evaluate a situation, see the pros and the cons and the positives and the negatives. What's gone right? What's gone wrong? Okay. What's the best path forward to handle whatever situation has arisen? And frankly, the previous two years, I didn't think he handled some things all that well. This year, I, I really felt like he grew and he uh, used um, some of those previous situations to help him get through what he dealt with this year, especially at the quarterback position. The, the team did not suffer despite losing not one, not two, not <laughs> – th- oh, I, I'm sorry, wrong wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> What's the – I, you know, yeah, I remember we're hearing just, that yeah, like we, in 2010 yeah. or something. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is not taking his talents to South Beach, thankfully. Um, but I, I, I just I, – I give him credit that he has been willing to adjust his train of thought. And, look, this coordinator change that he's making – is twofold. One, it's bringing in a fresh, get someone to bring a fresh perspective in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then number two, bringing uh, somebody in that's going to help you maximize your $230 million six draft pick investment in Deshaun Watson.
2: Well, that's the other part of this that I don't know that we've talked about all that much because wasn't part of Alex Van Pelt's title quarterback coach?
3: You're well, not, for three of the four years.
2: You're not only hiring somebody to call the plays. like That person's yeah. going to be working very closely with Deshaun Watson, and that matters so much towards the success of this team. It and, does.
3: And, and I think Van Pelt did a really good job when he was here, uh, especially working with the quarterbacks. I mean, work with nine of them.
2: Well, and what quarterback? <laughs> Five in one year, by the way. is It's incredible. But what quarterback was in Cleveland other than Deshaun Watson? Has been in Cleveland under Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt? and not seen the most success of their career to that point. And yeah. that's not to say, oh, because Baker was better in Tampa this year than he was. But to that point in Baker's career, the best season he had was that first year with those guys.
3: Right. And then, unfortunately, he got hurt. And and that- you can
2: say the same thing about Jacoby Brissett. Right. You can say the same thing. You can say the same thing about just about everybody that played Walford quarterback Walker won a game
3: for them. Dorian, Dorian Thompson, Thompson Robinson, Robinson
2: had a... Who, game-winning the drive way, against a divisional rival.
3: Yeah, I mean, Doray and Thompson Robinson went from completely clueless against the Baltimore Ravens to, as you said, leading a game-winning drive. Yeah. Um, So you've seen growth. Against a playoff team. Right. Like, that wasn't
2: like he had to do that against the Arizona Cardinals. Right. Did that against a team that made the playoffs. So
3: you've seen growth. And, and to me, that that's good quality coaching. Yeah. And so... Um, Yeah, there's something to be said for, okay, we've, you know, after four years together, there's not much that we're going to learn together going forward, right? And we're not where we need to be as an organization and as a football team. I need to bring in a fresh voice to to make sure that I'm on the, you know, I'm putting myself in Kevin Stefanski's shoes here uh, as far as this thought process goes. I need now, I need a fresh voice to make me better as a coach or even a play caller yeah. what you know what I'm saying so this this whole situation this week is not a byproduct of dysfunction it's not a byproduct of same old browns it's you know we joke about it because now it's funny like here's the thing too we can joke about how bad the browns have been over Be- the years because it's good now they're not bad
2: anymore no, we've got real expectations th- of in this town of this team being not just in the playoffs, but winning playoff games. We, yeah, it, we should expect this team to be playing on this weekend next year. Right. Without compared, a doubt.
3: Compared to this coaching staff and this organization and this roster, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: What proceeded? It was a joke. Yes. It a, was and a joke. Has, and it had
2: been for 20 years.
3: And it deserves to be made fun of. And I'm going to continue to make fun of it. But what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to make fun of Kevin Stefanski. I'm not going to make fun of... Uh, the current front office and the current roster, because they're good at their jobs. Now it's about getting the most and achieving their potential. Which I honestly felt after watching Joe Flacco for a few weeks, I'm like, "Well, this is a team that could make a run to the Super Bowl. They could be the they could be the surprise team out of the middle of nowhere." Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, that's not how it played out. They went to Houston, got the got run out right out of the building. That's unfortunate. But, and Joe Flacco, I, I I doubt he comes back because he wants to play somewhere, and I respect that. Yep. And quite frankly, after what he did for the Browns, he deserves to. And you know what? You as Browns fans can probably wear your Joe Flacco jerseys from now until the day you die.
2: Imagine saying that six months ago.
3: Right. But, um, you know, right. How, how much of the
2: th- offense, Daryl, do you think needs to look different? When we return to football next September. The, the run
3: game needs adjusting.
2: Yeah, which I do think that's part of the reason why Stump Mitchell was let go.
3: But here's the other thing, though. They lost three tackles. That's part of it. You're right. right. They lost three tackles. They lost their all pro back. Now maybe Jerome Ford hasn't developed on the trajectory that they, but I mean Jerome scored nine touchdowns this year. Yeah. They signed Kareem Hunt off the street in September. He had nine rushing touchdowns, which is a career high for him. Okay. Why well, so there's two touchdowns? So your two running backs scored 18 times. Mm-hmm. I don't, I have to, I, I don't know, just off the top of my head, I don't think the rest of the roster combined scored 18 touchdowns.
2: I'd have to go look, and I'm not going to I'm do say, that I'm, right I'm now. I'm but saying
3: that tongue in cheek. But you, yeah. just to emphasize how effective, though, the running back position was as far as putting points on the scoreboard. Sure. And to me, that's more important than the yardage. But it still needs a redesign. I I get, yeah. Um, So they got to tweak that. The tight ends thing is curious to me just because of, with T.C. McCartney, because David Njoku, his development has been outstanding.
2: What he did, and what he did specifically once Joe Flacco arrived, was really, really impressive. So
3: so I, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe they didn't like what they got from the other tight ends, you know? Harrison Bryant's development that hasn't maybe come along as for whatever, but
1: Odyssey celebrates father's day brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5g network. Odyssey celebrates father's day brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5g network.
3: You know, all this is part and parcel to Wanting to get the most out of one singular player. Number four. And it's the guy that they have given a record contract to as far as guarantees. It's a contract they are stuck with, they can't get out of it, there's no maneuverability. Uh, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. So best case scenario in 2024, Deshaun Watson returns to the guy we saw with the Houston Texans, right? Yep. And that we saw for that half in Baltimore before we knew just really how beat up and injured he was, right? Or we saw in the game against Tennessee um, where he got banged up the first time and, you know, got the last couple of series off because that game was over at 27, nothing, 27, 3, whatever it was, uh, the final score was. But um, this is about getting the most out of him and making him the best player so that now you can get to where the Ravens are. Because to me, the next step for this team isn't the Super Bowl, believe it or not.
2: It's an AFC championship game for me.
3: No, the next step for this team is to win the division. That'd be nice. Win the division, get a home game, and then all of a sudden, guess what? You're in a lot better position to advance in, in January because guess what we found out this year? the Browns defense does not travel. That's unfortunate. That that was
2: clear and evident. Browns defense did not travel in the playoffs, unfortunately. I want to pivot. I want to get to the Cavs. We've got Chris Fudor of Cleveland.com joining us at 9 o'clock. Cavs have been hot lately. They've won six straight. They're in action tomorrow in Atlanta. Is this something that's sustainable? I want to dive into that next right here on 92.3 The Fan. He's Dale Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham. Filling in on the Ken Carman Show with Anthony Lima. Danny Cunningham and Daryl Ryder in for Ken and Anthony right here on 92.3 The Fan. Bill O'Brien is in Columbus, and the transfer portal is still open as some of the best players in the country are going to Columbus. Nick Wilson and Spencer German break down big college football headlines on the new Sons of the Shoe episode. Follow Sons of the Shoe on 92.3TheFan.com, the Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcasts. We've got Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer joining us in just about 15 minutes. He'll be on at nine o'clock to talk some Cavs and Daryl. Cavs have won six straight. They have been oddly enough, since Darius Garland exited with that fractured jaw, Evan Mobley had to have knee surgery in the middle of December. They've been one of, if not the best team in basketball since that point and figuring out what is sustainable from this run. And listen, part of that is a weaker schedule. Like let's be honest. They've gotten to play Washington twice. I believe Detroit was somewhere mixed in there. San Antonio, so it's not as if they've just beat up on Boston and Milwaukee and Denver throughout this, but you play who's on the schedule. Figuring out what is sustainable from this run, I think is something that's really, really important for J.B. Bickerstaff, the rest of that coaching staff, and everyone at Cleveland Clinic Courts as we near the return of Garland and Mobley.
3: They're they're getting fat where they should be getting fat,
2: which is good. Yeah, um, like I had people... I was I tweeted about this yesterday. You can find me on Twitter at Real D Cunningham. Who are essentially I, I tweeted that you know they've won now eleven out of fourteen. They've yeah. been really good, and there are people that are mad about it because they haven't beat good teams. As if it's their fault what the schedule has I, been.
3: I'm sorry. Are you supposed to lose these games? Would you be happier
2: if they would have dropped one of those games to the Wizards? I don't think so.
3: I, I don't. I I never get that part of the conversation. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Are they supposed to lose those games that they're supposed to win? You're you're now going so to dumb. criticize and penalize them because they're beating the teams that they're supposed to be or that everyone feels that they you know should be. I don't know that considering that they're you know, without Garland, without Mobley, they should be winning all the games that they've been winning. But I, I kind of feel like J.B. Bickerstaff has pulled a page out of Kevin Stefanski's playbook here a little bit, right? Yeah, uh, and we know the great relationship that those two. Those two men have, and the respect that they have for each other, Stefanski and Bickerstaff, they talk behind the scenes all the time. Yeah, um, and look, I think that there's, you know, something very beneficial uh, to that. Um, you get siloed into just your own particular sport. I kind of liken it to uh, young kids g- growing up in sports. The specialization, you know, don't 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 specialize your kid allow your kid to play multiple sports and figure out which sport they really love to play, but also at the same time, by not specializing, their bodies are going to develop better uh, and it's going to make them a better athlete in the long run. And, yeah. and that's why a lot of scouts will tell you, I don't like uh, kids <laughs> that I find out are specialized because they're not in the long run going to be as good of an athlete as is, is the, the kid that didn't. Uh, specialized, and I feel that way. Like with the coaching, is you know that getting other perspectives uh, from different sports, especially from like the mental aspect, because mm-hmm. there is, yes, the physical, the athleticism aspect of it, but there is a mental, especially from a coaching perspective, the mental toughness that you have to have, to the the emotional maturity. That I don't have, but they have to have.
2: Well, that's why you're here and not there. Right. That's the only thing holding you back from being on. an in NBA In fact, bench. I
3: pride myself in my emotional immaturity. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I feel like when I, I look at this Cavalier team that JB has kind of mirrored what Stefanski was able to do. With the Browns and in weathering injuries. And that's what the Cavs are doing right now. They're they're not just weathering the injuries, they're they're playing really good basketball.
2: Well, and it's it's mirrored in the fact that when we saw Joe Flacco enter the fold for the Browns, the Browns sort of changed up their playing style offensively. They started doing things differently because yeah, of they the started skillset. throwing
3: the football down the field. Exactly. The Cavs
2: have done that same thing on the basketball floor. Yeah. What they've done is they've started to shoot more threes, and we know that the number is Way up, but if you want to even dig a little bit deeper... Is it wrong that I
3: love that they shoot so many
2: threes? It's what modern basketball is. But it's not just that they're shooting more threes. It's where they're getting them and how they're taking them. Like They're shooting so many more threes, just catch-and-shoot variety, as opposed to Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland pulling up up into a three. Where before the injuries, if you go back to all the games they played up until December 15th, which... That's just the date I have bookmarked. That the press release was sent out. Those two guys are going to be out for you know the foreseeable future.
3: And I'm not going to lie. When I saw that press release, uh, well, I can't say what I said when I read. But you thought
2: season over? Yeah, wasted season.
3: I was like, well, that that's going to well instantly. I thought, well, this
2: is the year the Cavs have their own pick. Like, if there's a year to be bad, it's been this one, and they've won 11 of 14 since.
3: And in a year where this is uh, supposed to be externally amongst us in the conversations we have. Uh, in the media, like this was supposedly the referendum year for J.B. Bickerstaff, right? Can he take this organization to the level that they want and need to get to with the talent that they have? He's done a great job building the program, coaching up the young kids, building a team, so to speak, but now can you win playoff games? Can you win playoff series? Can you get to a point where you're competing for a conference title or, you know, hey, if everything really goes your way, you, you know, Accidentally find yourself in the NBA finals, yeah. right? Playing yeah. for the whole bottle of wax. So, um, th- you know, those are the the questions and the thoughts going in. But I-, I think JB's done a, a fantastic job. Working around. I mean, Jared Allen right now is a double-double machine. He should be an all-star. He right. absolutely
2: should be an all-star. I think he will be as a reserve. He's not going to be a starter. I don't think Donovan Mitchell's going to be a starter. He will be an all-star right. again as well. The thing to watch for.
3: Mitchell, by the way, definitely playing like a max player. He's been awesome. Is, is he well. is,
2: I, I think part of that, I don't know how healthy he was at the start of the year, but he's
3: been awesome. By the way, please continue to tell me, national media, how much Donovan M- Mitchell hates playing for the Cavaliers as I roll my eyes. it's
2: uh, dry, It drives me nuts. As someone who spent a lot of time in that locker room covering that team, it's just yeah. those reports are not always based in reality.
1: The thing it's to just, watch You for,
3: know what it is, you know what it is? It remind it's because this happens in the NFL too, right? Where the insiders they'll trade information to get information and stuff like that. Sure. I kind of feel like that's what it is in the NBA sometimes where they're just they're trying to will something into existence.
2: And I'm not saying he's gonna be in Cleveland forever, but I think he likes Cleveland more than people want to admit that he does. That's just that's what I will say about and that. that,
3: and that's the point I was making.
2: Exactly. The weather outside not great. If you're still driving to work, take your time. We'll be here. Spend a little bit more time with us. Be safe. If you can work from home, even better.
3: <sighs> I just turned around and looked outside. It's I, still crappy out. I it still looks bad. I, I, I don't see pavement anywhere. So please be no, careful. No, I see a
2: lot of snow outside. That's what it's going to be all day. We've got Chris Fedor of cleveland.com, covers the Cavs, one of the best beat reporters in basketball. Joining us next, have a ton to dive into with this team. We also, we've got stuff on Joe Flacco. We're going to talk about what Joe Flacco has to say coming up at 920. But Chris Fedor joins us next. He's Dale Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham right here on 92.3 The Fan.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or